0: I think one way to look at masking is having to adapt how you are presenting yourself for the comfort and benefit of those around you, regardless of the personal cost. For me, as an autistic, that includes having to refrain from doing natural things and having to in real time translate in and out communication from allistic to neurodivergent and then before I speak from neurodivergent to allistic and to pay way more attention to what's going on around me so that I can figure out in this context what is, the, what is the expected behavior, and give that regardless of how it relates to my internal
1: state. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own.
2: Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult the medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy!
1: Welcome to episode 310. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an interview with Anna, Andy, and Jay. These all three amazing humans are part of our community, which we'll talk about in a minute.
2: And we've met them in person.
1: And we've met them in person, yes. They're incredible, incredible humans, and we're so excited for this conversation. But for a little bit of background, Anna and Andy have been together over 30 years. Uh, Jay has been open about 10 years, and the three of them are together in a poly V for for about the last year.
2: Yeah, and so some fun facts about this Polyv which again they're going to talk a lot about. But Andy has ADHD and your Jay is autistic mm-hmm. and Anna is both, mm-hmm. and she is the hinge here in this dynamic, and it is beautiful. And that's not the only thing that these people represent, but it is a big part of this conversation: is how they have taken, embraced their neurodivergencies, and then woven them together in an amazing dynamic. We also talk so much about coming out of intense religious upbringings, uh, meshing, yeah, meshing the different neurodivergencies. Uh, being metamores and what mm-hmm. that means finding and building community and deconstructing the patriarchy autonomy ownership
1: just just a few light-hearted things yeah
2: so it's a pretty be- <laughs> it's a, it is a doozy but i'm amazed i'm amazed at like how actually light and beautiful it is yeah. considering what we talk about so for sure. just a huge amount of gratitude to all three of you for coming on for sharing your story and for bringing your gift into our community. We are so grateful.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. For anyone who is a premium subscriber, we're going to jump into the interview now. And for anyone else, we're going to go through a few announcements.
2: So the first thing we want to talk about is the premium subscription. And we're going to do that a little differently today because why not? Why not? So first up, I want to read two of the ratings that we've had left for us recently on iTunes because I think they're both amazing. (laughs) The first one, five stars, Love your podcast. So inspiring and amazing to hear all the different ways to do love. Woohoo! Next one one star, <laughs> unbearable. <laughs> Eight minutes of crap until the podcast starts. The advertising is more important than the message. Yeah. Not actually true. <laughs> the real story is the advertising is the only reason that the message can exist out there in the world. And so yes, thank you to all of you who are part of all of the different things that we offer, part of our community. You are show up to our virtual meet and greets and you contribute, even though you don't have to. We are so grateful. Maybe you are a premium subscriber, which is a couple of bucks a month, and you can find out how to sign up there on the homepage. And then you get to skip all eight minutes of crap and get right into the other, you know, 60 to 80 minutes of amazing content, content that are the other
1: without advertisements, without, without
2: any (laughs) single advertisement. So that is our little soapbox about how podcast advertising works and why all of you listening are so grateful. And actually, if you all want, we're
1: so grateful, why
2: we're so grateful, you're grateful, everybody's grateful. (laughs) If you want all of this to go away, here's how we do that. Every single one of you listening, you go sign up for the community, and go get an STD check test, and we'll make we'll make the advertising go away. <laughs>
1: if I've, all of you did that.
2: If, if every one of you did that, <laughs> we'd be good.
1: If you want to sign up for the premium subscription, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, scroll down on the homepage, and you can sign up right there.
2: Next up, we want to remind you there is a Virtual Me and Greet coming up. Actually, that is Friday.
1: It's this Friday, October 20th from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific. Do the math to your time zone, please. But you can sign up on our website under the events tab. And these are open to anyone. You just must be open-minded and respectful. Come join us. We use Zoom breakout rooms to send you all into little groups of with a talking point to chat and get to know each other and then come back and we do it all, scramble the rooms and do it all again. So it's a super wonderful fun time meeting and greeting lots of different people
2: we'll see you friday
1: come sign up join us on friday
2: next up we want to remind you all about the community we're not going to talk about it a ton here because actually anna andy and jay talk about it a little bit towards the end of the conversation and what it's meant to them but if you're so inspired you want to join us, please do head over to our website, click on the community tab, and right there you will see a button to fill out the application and join us so you can get in on all of the fun, amazing things, our monthly Q&As, our monthly men's and women's groups, our weekly men's and women's groups, and all the other fun stuff Mm -hmm. that we make happen.
1: Yes. Under the community tab on our website.
2: We already said that part. Did you say that? We said that. I may have
1: tuned out for a minute. Eight
2: and a half minutes of crap. (laughs) No wonder you just added to it.
1: (laughs) I added a little bit. It was just a quick reminder go to the community tab. While you're on our website, we will uh, would also love for you to check out our favorite way to get tested for STIs. It is stdcheck.com. It is fast and simple, discreet and it's a really easy way to get tested. It's the service that Finn and I use have used for years. You hear us talk about it all the time. By using the links on our webpage, you get a discount on a 10-panel test making it only $129 and you support the podcast. So, we really appreciate you using the links on our website
2: and the last 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 thing uh one more way to find community and that is uh one of our favorite resources we we don't talk about it a ton but we've we've really grown to love the bloom community app the the founder of bloom lives near us and we're, we're sort of embedded with a lot of the different stuff that they do and one of those things is uh we have been hosting co-hosting the speed dating the, the non-monogamy speed dating in oakland for the last couple of months uh, i did it with emma the first time and i've been doing the last ones with marie tween you may remember her from focus fridays episode 2.5 she is a dating coach and a compersion researcher and an all-around amazing wonderful human and we will be there tomorrow thursday October 19th,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it's going to be a hell of a good time. So, if in you're the,
1: in the East Bay, in
2: the East Bay. So, if you're in the Bay Area, please come check it out. We would love to see you and meet you and have a wonderful time. And you can find out more information in our podcast player uh, show notes or on the Bloom app. Highly recommend you download it. It's the app actually that Anna, Andy, and Jay mentioned a few times in here. And we thought we would just plug it one more time since there's some good overlap. Yes. All right. Enough I, of the crap, Emma. I was like, we
1: kept it under eight minutes, so it's, it's less than eight minutes of crap.
2: It is. So reach out to us. Send us an email. Send us a voicemail. We would love, love, love to hear from you. Or head over to iTunes or wherever you can leave reviews and leave us lots of five-star reviews Um, and we'll read them maybe yes. if they're amazing. Yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Just kidding. Let's, uh, go
1: ta- <laughs> let's go talk to Anna, Andy, and Jay.
2: I got so excited to steal your line. All right. Here we go.
1: Well, I'm excited to be here. Welcome, Anna, Andy, and Jay. We're excited to talk to you today. We would love for you to start by introducing yourselves in whatever, I guess, order and fashion you'd you'd like to
3: do that. Hi. Thanks for having us. Um, I'm Anna. I'm 47. I'll be 48 next week. And I live in Colorado. I am a queer, autistic, and ADHD cis woman.
2: Perfect. Well, happy early birthday.
3: Yes. Thank you.
4: Uh, I'm Andy, 48, also Colorado, and um, cis-straight, ADHD as well.
2: Wonderful. And Jay?
4: Uh, I'm Jay, uh,
0: and I am a cis-hetero white guy. (laughs) 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 Let's just put that out there. I am, however, autistic uh, and... That was something I discovered as part of my poly journey, it turns out. And I'm in Colorado, but I am also a digital nomad. Uh, And so my RV is here right now. And my friends frequently ask me as soon as we get on FaceTime or Discord or whatever. So where are you on the planet right now, Jay?
2: (laughs) I love it. And, And I think that's a perfect a perfectly valid question to be asked. We we've been those people often where yeah. they're like where are you where are you going where are you coming from how long are we going to see you for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we we're familiar. <laughs> well, I love it and you well you you kind of spoiled it there by saying it was part of your poly journey. So clearly the three of you are non-monogamous in some way shape or form and we would love to talk about that today. Shocking. And so
1: maybe that's what this podcast is about. That is, oh.
2: this is not the Digital Nomad podcast. Although that's okay. that's
1: interesting, I and mean, we still yes. love to like talk about that. Exactly. <laughs> we've,
2: we've had one of those too.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, okay, so maybe best way to do this, based on our short conversation before we started, would be to start with Anna and Andy. Actually, maybe it's not. Maybe it's to start with the three of you, and have you just sort of describe what the relationship dynamic between the three of you is today. And then we're going to go figure out how we got here.
3: Um, Well, we are a polyamorous V and we're very, very kitchen table, probably more than we expected as, and that's, that's kind of grown as the things have gone on. I guess I would say that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yep. How long, how long have the three of you been together? A year. A year. Wonderful. And how, so, maybe take us back in time and and andy we happen to know that you knew each other maybe and were together before jay came into the picture so maybe let's start there <laughs> as how that happened
4: this june uh we celebrated our 27th anniversary so about a year ago after many conversations um yes. that that went that were years in the making mostly uh Going to Las Vegas on uh, either conferences or just trips to have some fun, we would always talk about maybe uh, adding people or couples or swing or something. We never really did it, but it was always a conversation. It was always kind of um, titillating and in the back of our brain, it was there. Um, And so uh, about a year ago, I think we felt um, confident enough at the time to, um, to open up a little bit.
3: It was sort of one of those things that like, we talked about for, God, probably like 10 or 15 years. And then at some point, one of us, I don't even remember who, was like, you know, people actually do this. Like, we could do this. We could try this. And then it was like, no, 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 we can't do that. Yeah. Until we did.
4: Oh, and you know what I remember is even in our wedding, so uh, both of us are pastor's kids, um, but even in our wedding... Um, you know, the whole candle thing, like both of you light the candles and you blow out in the individual ones. We were kind of like, nah, we're keeping the individual ones going. (laughs) So we maybe, maybe for 26 to seven years, it's been in the back of our heads. Who knows? Mm
2: -hmm. I love it. I think that's amazing. And I'm I'm curious, did like, how did it ever even come up between the two of you to start down the swinging path?
3: I like he said, we're both pastors' kids from a very high demand cult religion. I, however, am adopted and neurodivergent, so like none of that ever worked for me. And I his mother would say that I am the bad influence that corrupted him. So it was it it was something that I first brought up. <laughs> like I actually remember being in like second or third grade and telling my dad that I had a crush on a boy and a girl and like getting in trouble for that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. And I was like, why not?
2: Yeah. yeah let me show you.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I love it. Yeah. I love it. And, and not to like gloss over the rest of your story, but maybe let's pull Jay in here. Cause I'm curious, Jay, when, when did non-monogamy come into your world for the first time?
0: So the kind of official answer is in like, the 2000, like five, six kind of time frame, I was hanging around a lot of folks in a college town that were into Euro games and, uh, role-playing games and just alt stuff in general. I know a lot of that's mainstreamed now, but to be at the time it was very niche. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a lot of those folks that had pretty permeable boundaries between their relationships, even when it wasn't official. And then I started going to a, convention with this group and one of the game company's three owners were an out triad okay uh, like at the con at the convention everyone knew like they were very public about it like in their business space which was fascinating uh i was actually thinking back though when we were talking about prepping for the interview there was an episode of star trek the next generation in 1989 where the ending was these two groups of people we're going to have to form a single colony. And the only way it would work is if the women had three husbands each okay. <laughs> and there weren't enough men to go around. So the husbands were going to also do some sort of unexpressed and undescribed solution around that too. And I remember thinking at the time, yeah, that makes sense. No problem with this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so So back, so like that was kind of maybe your first, like, thinking about it. And then back when you were um, you met that open triad, like that seemed, it sounds like what I'm gathering is that seemed pretty natural to you.
0: It did. I have always had like a, a weird itch in the back of my mind when I was practicing monogamy, like, okay, cool. I get that the rules are X, Y, Z, but like, I still like the people I used to like and things like that. And like, The disconnect for me was more the monogamy than the non-monogamy. And so once I started seeing words for it and things like that, I started going, oh, that might be me. And then uh, around 2011 with a long-term nesting partner, we started a couple-year-long of conversation about it, and then we opened up in 2013. So I I have been practicing... Non monogamous, usually identifying poly these days, I identify more relationship anarchy, but I kind of think those things are again kind of a semi permeable boundary between those two terms in some ways. And have been doing this even when I was single, would go to poly meetups and munches and events and hang out with other poly people. Uh, I've been secondaries, I've been primaries. uh, I've seen a lot of it over 10 years and have just more and more identified that that's kind of, to the degree that you can say it's an orientation or a facet of one's existence in person mm-hmm. uh, i have come to identify that way
2: mm-hmm. yeah when well, it sounds like it just it makes a whole lot more sense to you
0: yeah which yeah. is pretty common for neurodivergence we're far more likely to mm-hmm. uh to not fall in line <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep. I, we're learning that as we as we start to have more and more neurodivergent people reaching out to us or expressing it outwardly that that is, because I think for a long time, right, there's been a lot of shame and closeting even around that um, to, oh, to say that.
0: Outside of this community, I'm still very closeted about my neurodivergence uh, and about this outside of this community. I, I am not out publicly because of concerns about career prospects. Yeah
4: mm-hmm
2: totally and i would imagine the same for the neurodiver. is the neurodivergent fear similar
0: oh yeah, yeah absolutely
2: which is hard because then you get to run around life masking trying to fit in and blend in like nothing nothing to see here guys i'm <laughs> yeah that's
1: normal
2: yeah, that's right yeah. Yeah. yeah that totally
1: feel you on that very much so <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would li- love to know how I'm sure there's more we can dig into, into all of your stories, but I'd love to know how the three of you met.
4: <laughs> so That's a really good question.
3: <laughs> <laughs> on my birthday last year, Andy and I went to a bigger city and uh, our whole idea was, OK, this is something we'll do when we travel because we travel a lot. And when we go to bigger cities, we'll get on the apps and we'll find people to play with. That's how this will work. And um, (laughs) there's some eye rolling kind of going on.
4: (laughs) Shaking heads. (laughs) It's how it will work, clearly.
3: And so I I got on the apps and, well, we both did in this bigger city. And uh, the very first person that popped up on Bloom for me was Jay. And I was like, oh, huh. I'm not really attracted to him, but he's neurodivergent. So yes. And then went about my life and didn't really like, I was sort of like, I'm not super into men, even though, I mean.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Even though, even though you have two long-term relationships with them. Yeah. Got it. Got Um, it. Yeah.
3: Uh didn't really have any other matches. And then two days later he he was on a business trip out east and got a, he's like, hey, and then we started talking. And two weeks later we went back to the city to meet and have not really been apart a whole lot since.
0: Not any more than we can help it.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was amazing.
0: His
3: his nomadic experience is getting smaller and smaller. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's a very tight orbit around Colorado right now
2: <laughs> yeah as it, as it happens,
1: and so yeah. you describe yourself as a v can you describe a little bit more about what that actually looks like for the three of you?
0: uh I mean, if you want to be an all very e n m or poly speak right mm-hmm. um we're in a relationship we're dating, they're married in a relationship. Uh, and then Andy and I are Metas. Uh, we would never have met without having wound up being Metas just because we don't inhabit the same spaces. Um, I am very grateful for how well we get along, though. We, have, we just actually went on uh, a trip together to celebrate Anna's birthday to another big city, and all three of us went. Um, yes, it's the, the obfuscation game. How many different big city, big city one and big city two, Uh, (laughs) but we all had a great time and we got, we continue to get along really well. And it was probably one of the best trips I've taken in a long time. That wasn't just me and one other person or just me.
2: Yeah, I love that. And, and I know when we, when we do interviews with three or more people, it gets a little bit it's not linear and that's okay. We're good with that. And so I just, I think what, what came up for me in this is, so Jay, you've been doing poly for a decade before you, yep. before you stumble into this V, but in and Andy, you're like, just like, you've been theorizing, theorizing about this for a long time. And then you, and then thinking when it will only
1: happen yeah, on vacation
2: or, or even just, Hey, this is a thing we could actually do. But then like, this is a, this is a pretty serious, right? This isn't just, oh, we're gonna, we're just gonna dabble in it. Like you've, you've got a pretty serious relationship pretty quickly. How, how has, how did you go zero to
4: that? It was super easy. <laughs> <laughs> there was, very you, and I, you and I have a very <laughs> different definition of easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> i I mean i guess i'll speak for me It, it, it was pretty pretty dang challenging um that's uh i've said that this journey kind of showed a light to the layers of systems inside me that i had no idea existed i mean i've been therapied for a decade or more and thought i was in a pretty good place and some of the um it has been a journey to become more aware of uh, patriarchal, doctrinal, um, old religious systems um, that still were kind of, to me, an unconscious influence, I'd like to think, um, that I was participating in those systems that were just not healthy at all. And um, kind of breaking out of those, has been. A, it was a bit of a challenge. It still is. But I think up front, it was uh, quite a bit more of a challenge. Yeah.
2: Are, are you open to talking a little bit more about that because I think that is such a common thread.
4: Sure. Yeah. Um Yeah, I think um but I, I guess what do you want to know? I could I could talk for the next 3 hours if you're really yeah. want. <laughs> um, I, I guess kind of like it, um specifically what do you
2: Yeah, maybe what were like one or two of the 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 major things that you had to untangle to I mean, cause I'm sure there's a hundred of them, right. But what yeah. were one or two of the ones that you're like, damn, this hurdle, like, I just can't clear it. It's, it's really a tricky one.
4: So I think they're related. Um, and I would kind of jump into that, that area of possessiveness and ownership as well as, I don't know if you'd call it codependency or kind of a, kind of an, uh, a dependence on someone else for kind of your own identity. Um, and so those two things for me had been is have been a huge struggle and they kind of intermingle because um acknowledging and realizing that the amount of let's go with discomfort <laughs> mm-hmm. I felt uh, when Anna would go uh, on on trips up front was uh, was way more than just um, just kind of a normal I miss anna I mean I I think devastated is a safe word to use. Um, And and part of that was um, I didn't really believe in myself. And so just getting even to the point where I, I realized it's not necessarily about her being gone, that it's more about me not necessarily either knowing who I am or what I want without her and kind of really leaning into that and that kind of a discovery that this became quite a bit easier. Um, and also just acknowledging more and more all of our autonomies um, and, and really trying to respect that more and more. Yeah.
2: Yeah, totally. And I, I think there's pieces of that that are probably many, most of that that is relatable for so many people. And I, I just feel like for myself, that feeling of, You, you can even logically look at it and go okay she's going away for a weekend you know Emma's going away for a weekend she'll be back but there's also this like peace in your mind that's like but what if and then it's like but what am I and what would my life be and this isn't the life I envisioned I have all of these plans and and you know I'm a person who can look ahead 50 years and see what this will way the carpet's going to unroll and it and it causes discomfort for me to think about, you know a grain of sand getting in the microchip
4: yeah for sure and and there was a lot of um, a, a lot of that and just kind of like oh shit what if and then also like just feeling not not myself and not mm-hmm. confident and not like i can't have fun or i can't um explore things on my own um like and kind of moving past past some of those really strange and codependent beliefs. Yeah.
2: How, how were you able to
4: move through those?
1: Super easily. Yeah.
4: (laughs) You know, I I listened to this 30 minute podcast and I was good. (laughs) I think it was one of you guys's. So, you know, win, win. No, I think, um, just a lot of work, good, decent therapists, uh, switching up some therapists has helped. Um, uh, reading, them together. yeah, some couples therapy, doing a lot of reading, a lot of, um, I'm a bit of a masochist, I think when it comes to, I, I think when it comes to self-growth. So I really try to dive in when I can and I'm not, um, in fact, I think I maybe overdid it a bit because it wasn't, um, what is the word? It's Plateau right? integrating. Yes. Thank you. wasn't really integrating. I wasn't allowing that. It was more of a mental practice. Uh, and so starting into kind of, Integrating it with some somatic stuff too has been helpful.
3: Oh, the somatic people from Southwest Love Fest.
4: Oh yeah. And then just a lot of, one of the best experiences was the, um, I'm kind of an experiential learner to a degree <laughs> too. And so that Southwest Love Fest was huge for me just because, um, and I know this podcast is normalizing non-monogamy that really normalized yeah. this for me because I, um, it was a. It was just a really positive experience, and and just even outside the classes, the energy and the um, uh, ability to observe other people interacting this way was just like there was just this. There was no place in my mind for. for I mean, cognitively, I could see it, but just I couldn't feel how all that worked, and so um, that was a big thing for me.
0: Well, mm-hmm. and
4: Andy, I've made the comment several times
0: that the part of Colorado we're in is not near big city, one, two, three, seven, whatever. Um, and so there's not an established local physical present community. So you don't, you don't get to share experiences with people when you're not out. You don't get to see what other people are doing. You don't get to see that normalization, um, and it is something that like during the pandemic, I missed a lot. Like, again, when bet- whether or not I was in relationship, I was always plugged into the local scene. And to have that ripped away was a big deal for me. And then watching you guys navigate things without examples front and center there as poly neighbors, right? Which we I, actually have. Yeah. Now we found out. Right. But, but in general, right. They're not being an established community to go to and to see this stuff in practice, even before you did anything that was, I've always felt like that was a huge hurdle that, that anyone would have to try to overcome that. And it makes sense that Tucson was such a big deal. It was the first chance you really got to see that. And I think folks in bigger cities are deeply privileged to have communities so you don't have to wait a year for that opportunity.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think what you just touched on there, Jay, is like so critical because you right, you read a book, right? Or you see a blog post and it says, this is how non-monogamy looks. And you read about one couple or one whatever, one quad. And you're like, oh, well, that's what it is. And then you start... You, unless you are the type of person who goes and looks and questions every single thing that you read, it's very easy to just, you go into tunnel vision and it's, this is the way it's done. And and you're like, but that doesn't really work for me. So I guess it's not for me, or I guess I have to force myself now Mm -hmm. to do it that way. But if you can, you can go to a munch or a a meet and greet or a meetup or whatever. And you just see, how there's maybe 30 different people and each of them have a different relationship style and way of going about it and that there isn't a right way, but it's tough to put that in a book. Um, Yeah. So, yeah.
4: And just, just to plug you guys, I mean, a lot, we we did quite a bit of your activities and that's helpful. It's really helpful, but there's something uh, about in person too, Mm -hmm. that I think is a, is a big deal as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just a different layer for sure. Yeah. Um and also just to shout out that we didn't meet all the five of us met at Southwest Love Fest. I just wanna so we all hung out and met each other there, which was amazing. I just wanna acknowledge that for This is our
2: reunion too for the
1: listeners. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love it. Anna, you were gonna say you were gonna jump in with something a few minutes ago around when I when Challenges. I asked how how it had gone jumping in and I mean in some ways kind of the deep end. It wasn't it's like I said, a fairly serious partnership to yeah. start off with and pretty quickly.
1: And thank you, Andy, for yeah. expanding and everything that you shared.
3: Yeah. Um, well, I, I, th- we were talking about this earlier when we were looking over the questions, the biggest surprise out of all of this was Jay for both of us, because <laughs> I certainly had no expectation. Andy and I have been, we met when I was 17, we've been together for 30 years Well, almost 31 um, and married for 27. So like I had zero interest or expectation of going out and meeting someone who would be you know, really special to me. And one of our agreements up front was we will never have other nesting partners or live with other people or have overnights or we had a lot of rules up front. (laughs) And because we've been together so long, the codependency was pretty intense and that was a, a challenge. But for me coming from a super high demand religion, this whole like, wait, autonomy, wait, what? Like this is an option. And, um, I think one of the things that has been so intense be- about our relationship with Jay and I is that um, I'm late diagnosed autistic, had no idea. It, uh, during, in 2020, a therapist first brought it up like, well, have, has anyone ever talked to you about neurodivergence? And I was like, what? No. No. What And then eventually I was like, why do you keep saying that? Can you please stop? <laughs> and then she's like, you know, eventually I was diagnosed by the therapist. And then in 2021, I went and got an official evaluation and diagnosis. And kind of my whole world came crashing down after that. Like, I do not know how to function in the world. I quit my job in 2018. I was a paralegal, very type A, very driven, very invested in my work and then started a business. And then just, I had four surgeries in 2020 and that burnt out even worse, right? Like could not function. And so like the whole autism thing just kind of devastated me. And I was trying to come back out of that. And part of that coming back out of that was recognizing that I'm pansexual and or queer or whatever you want to describe it. So that was actually part of our whole thing with the non-monogamy. Like I've never had a chance to explore that because, you know, high demand religion, being told my whole life, if you're gay, you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. So, um, also, and I went to boarding school. So being in a, in a girl's dorm in boarding school was very conflicting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to hell, please help. (laughs) You know, um, But that is the one thing that we really connected over, like, well, I was just diagnosed autistic and he had known for 10 years, but the way, you know, if you've met one autistic person, you've met one autistic person, but the way that we experience autism is so incredibly similar. Like our brains are just very, uh, in sync Around the way that we communicate, the way that our sensory stuff works, the way that we manage other people, like we just seem to know what each other is thinking all the time, which is kind of weird. And that, that did not help
0: (laughs) (laughs) or did, it depends on your perspective,
2: (laughs) but I can see how that would also be like super intimidating and almost destabilizing coming into a 27 year relationship or more. And all of a sudden it's like, I mean, I will just say like, this is not exactly this, but this is something that that Emma and I have been learning about is how differently our brains work. Right. And we've, we've done in many ways, a good job of building a life together. But when we stop and look back at it, it's like,
1: there was a lot of masking,
2: a lot of masking, a lot of both of us not doing things that felt great, you know, a lot of that going on. And then when we've, Seemingly maybe met other people, whether they've turned into relationships or not, where like my brain and their brain clicks or her brain and their brain clicks. And it could even just be friends. It's just like it's almost like lights coming on, just like shining down from whatever's up there. Right. And you're just like this person gets me in a way that like we don't, you know, we get each other. We've learned each other, Mm
4: -hmm.
2: but we we don't just like click like that we we have to work hard for our pieces to fit together and like that can really fuck with your head yeah when somebody else rolls in within like five minutes you're just like finishing each other's sentences and you're just like doing all this and you're just looking like oh what the hell Mm -hmm. is going on here Mm -hmm. so yeah
4: that is very well said
2: (laughs) (laughs) so so andy andy agrees (laughs) yeah
3: Yeah. So it is kind of interesting though. Andy has ADHD. Jay is autistic. I have both. So like Andy and I have learned over the years, but I don't think I would have ever been able to unmask to the degree that I have been able to, if I hadn't met Jay, because there was pushback. There was like, well, okay, but you've been this way for 25 years. Why are you changing now? Mm -hmm. Um, and that was really hard for us to navigate, um, actually one of the, uh, resources, I just found this book. It's called the autistic partner handbook, how to love an autistic person. Um, it's pretty small. Like, uh, we were just on a, what, 14 hour, 12 hour road trip. So we started reading it in the car and all three of us individually and collectively are just like, wow, like there's a lot there.
0: So many of the books like this, are really just a way of putting all the blame on whatever class of neurodivergence. Because there are books like this for ADHD, Mm -hmm. for autism, nowadays for OCD, Odd HD and Mm -hmm. uh, OCD. And so many of these books just are like, put all the blame on the neurodivergent and put all the work on the neurodivergent. And so when this book came up, my first response was, great, there's another one.
3: Or they're very infantilizing,
0: which, and they can be both at the same okay. time. Typically, which is even worse. Like, do all the work, you infantized person, because it's your fault. Um, this is not that. Like beyond not that. Uh, it is co-written by
3: um, an autistic person, a their partner who is allistic, and then there's also a, a therapist, clinical, clinical psychologist, or something. Awesome. And,
0: and they they, ident- they like the voice literally changes within the chapters, and they'll say, "Hey, now this person is talking," and you can and they will represent that side of the equation. Um, and there is a f- far stronger bent in this one about saying, "Look, it's different, not bad to be neurodivergent," mm-hmm. um, and it it does try to strike a balance about people reaching across that divide.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I appreciate that resource. Cause I, again, ours, ours is more of the imbalance or indifference, The difference in ADHD versus not ADHD. What I'm, the book we were reading calls it um, attention surplus disorder is what, <laughs> is what I have. <laughs> and so I do um, not. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that is really important that it's not pathologizing and othering and throwing the blame. And so, yeah, I, I, yeah.
3: Based, based on, well, this weekend we, uh, spent some time in places where there was a higher number of neurodivergent people, um, like the kink scene and things like that. There is a much higher number of neurodivergence and based on, the new research that is coming out around neurodivergence and polyamory and non-monogamy and kink and all of these other communities. I would honestly say anyone who is in one of those communities should read this book to know how to interact with people who are neurodivergent. Like one of the events we went to the owner was like, basically
0: did the infantizing thing. It was like, we really love our neurodivergent community members but, and then all these <laughs> things that they do and putting the blame on them and it's well, the
3: other ring, right? Yeah. yeah
0: the other ring, it was,
3: it was frustrating because the three of us are sitting there going really. And we're in a room of 30 people and I, Aunt Jay and I are looking around the room and going, I mean, you can't tell if someone's autistic by looking at them allegedly, but you, you you, recognize your people. And so we're looking around the room and going, does she have any clue how many autistics are in this room right now? She has no fucking clue. Sorry.
1: You <laughs> okay, can
0: swear. All right, all, yeah, you can swear. Yeah. Spades have been broken. Okay.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we mark the podcast as explicit swear words are allowed. Okay. Like, and it was really frustrating to me. And even like, that was one of the things about Southwest love fest, the number of autistic people in that it was hard to leave because I felt so seen. And so like part of the group in a way that I don't get to feel in everyday life ever. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Which I think too, is a, a piece that just in you saying that last sentence I can imagine, again, and this isn't me wanting to sit here and find all of the really hard things about what you three are doing, but <laughs> if, if you are just really feeling like you haven't been seen in in 45 or so years, and then you're seen in that person that's seeing you as a partner, again, that's a, like that's a huge dynamic to shift and change in your marriage and to shift and change just in your life for literally for all three of you like I, very intimidating
3: the thing that i always say is i my entire life have felt like i was alone in the world and when i met jay i met someone from my same planet
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah that's powerful
2: which and again <laughs> this is again i don't know i just like feeling like andy right like sitting like that's a hard thing i would imagine to hear that that you've been married for 25 years and your partner still felt alone and i I say that with empathy because we, we have felt some of those same things.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Those are, can be tough nuggets to swallow, but, um, you know, I think it was one of your guys's either early podcasts or maybe one of the web videos when you, you guys were talking and you said, you know, if you really love someone, you have to be willing to, to allow them to have better experiences even if that means those experiences are without you mm-hmm. and and i i really that really kind of continued to hit home and still does um because yeah the you you're right those can be kind of like oof either hits or um to reframe that is just man how beautiful is it that these two from whatever planet they're from got to meet <laughs> each other in this world and in this lifetime. And, um, that I can be a part of that. So that's the, that's the reframe. I can't honestly say I feel that way all the time, but, um, it's definitely way, way, way more than it was day one, seven, 20, mm-hmm. 30. So, yeah.
2: Well, and I will just say too, that statement, and I know I've said that statement before, like, that's a really easy thing to say and it's a really hard thing to live
4: That, mm-hmm.
2: because it's scary as hell to, to think about that somebody might might be a quote-unquote better fit and that that doesn't mean that Emma wants to leave that doesn't mean that Anna wants to leave but it's so easy for our brains because that's what we're trained in for for our whole lives that she found something better. That means she leaves. And I think that's where non-monogamy comes in and says, "Well,
1: especially in religion.
2: Well, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but that's where non-monogamy comes in and says, well, let's say I did find something quote unquote better. I don't have to leave. I, cause I, it, I still love what I had. I still love what I have and I don't have to end that to also introduce something that, that also feels amazing. Um, mm-hmm. and, and again, there's no, to me, there's no better, worse, higher, lower. It's just, I think sometimes people hit us in different ways and certain pieces feel different. I don't know.
1: Well, and I also love what you said, Andy, about like the fact that it has gotten easier. Like mm-hmm. you don't feel that way every day and you <laughs> yeah. don't ever have to, but <laughs> the fact that you've made progress in that is huge and that it also demonstrates that it, does take time that like expecting yourself to feel that way, like at the switch of a like the light switch, like that's just not realistic for many people. <laughs> majority of people, I'd say,
2: which I think is almost kind of now that you say that. Like when talking to some of the autistic people we've had, it almost is a light switch for them. <laughs> um, when we talked to uh, Alyssa a couple of months back and she talked about how, when non-monogamy like was introduced to her, it was just like she turned off monogamy, turned on non-monogamy, and was like, Well, I've been looking for this my whole fucking life. And you know, and now it makes like my whole life just makes a whole lot more sense. So it is a flip of a switch for some people, but not not for all of us.
3: One of the we did try to go to a couple of therapists here in town for a little while who um build herself as supportive of poly and non monogamy. Um, but I think the she was helpful in a lot of ways and not as helpful in some ways, but the big takeaway that she really helped Andy with that really kind of changed direction for us was she kept telling him, look, your wife is autistic. Like this works for her brain. We have more and more research that shows that neurodivergent people do really well in non-monogamy. So like his frustration was that I was halfway up the mountain and he was still at the bottom of the hill trying to go, how do I, wait, how do I do this? But for me, it was like, oh, I know how to do this. Like duck, she, well, duck to water. Is that kind of how yeah, it, she described analogies. it? <laughs> like for me, this makes sense to me. Like I don't have any problem saying I am absolutely in love with my husband. And I also really love Jay and they're not better. They're different. And I have a spot for both of these, but I also wonder if some of that is like being a mom, you kind of get that with your kids in a way, because this is, I, I don't think there's like research around it, but to me it seems like most of the women that I meet have an easier time with this than the men that I meet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anything to that.
2: No, but I think yeah. it's a super, I don't know that answer, but I think it is a super valid piece that, yeah, you, and, and we see this too, right? So you, people often get into non-monogamy and the chances of it being equally easy for both people is pretty low. And so you're then you're climbing a mountain in very different ways. And sometimes you're just watching your partner climb away from you. And like, how scary is that? And you know, that's, that can be a really scary thing. And it can, I would also offer in our partnership, it's been easier for me to, to sort those things out. And it's equally scary. I'm guessing to stand at the top and look back and go, Hey, what happened? I thought we were climbing together. And, and that's hard as well.
1: I'm curious. Uh, I have a couple of other questions changing, changing subject a little bit. Um, first of all, I would love for you to, we've talked a lot about challenges, which is amazing. <laughs> I'd love to talk about some of the uh, joys that have come from your life from, from Nav- the last
3: year. Kink.
2: one word got it (laughs)
3: um that was that was something i didn't really have the ability to access before uh i there are things that i'm interested in doing that andy was just like no and vice versa there are things that he was interested in learning about that that i was just like "Mm, i don't really want to do that so like that's one of the big things for me about this whole idea of being poly is you have to i i he has different people. Like i I had spine surgery. I've had all these surgeries. I do not want to go backpacking anymore. Like, I'm sorry. I love you. I can't do it anymore. And you should absolutely find some girl who wants to go backpacking with you. That is amazing. You guys go do that. Have fun. Jane, I will be at home, <laughs> <laughs> but even in the kink scene, like there, it's just, <laughs> it's nice to have access to different people to do different things with. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I explore different parts of yourself.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, I'm curious, Andy, too. Have you, in that same thread, have you started meeting and and also exploring, you know, polyamory or non-monogamy for yourself, in in your own way?
4: Um. Yeah. A bit. Not quite as much. Um, back to the not populous town, and also <laughs> uh, my framework around dating. And, uh, is 30 years old and very tied into high demand religion. So that's not something that comes naturally to me very well. Um, had some not great experiences. So we kind of moved past those challenges. So we won't talk about challenges, but, um, (laughs) awesome growth opportunities around that. And I still, I'm not out there much, but I am out there a bit. Um, I guess for me, You know, we were kind of thinking when we opened up, it was more about kind of sexual exploration just because I think we didn't have some of those normal and natural developmental cycles that people go through between 12 and 25. Um, And I think for me, some of the bigger joys and the bigger wins have come with – exploring other areas like i've picked up some um and, and really enjoy some more performing arts type stuff like really got into improv been on big stages a couple well big for the community that um that i've really enjoyed i just got into a uh a play recently that I'm kind of geeked and scared to death about. Just a very small role, but not a small actor. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and so, I guess for me, some of the joys have been that, and and the joy in even just um, trying out and doing a lot of those things for the first time have been joys. And then also, um, I, uh, if I'm being honest, kind of joy and in embracing the meta role um, and hopefully doing it better than at the beginning, but um, (laughs) no, really, really um, like Jay said, we probably would not have really hung out. Our worlds don't really, um, we're not, there's no, there's a few Venn diagrams where they might intersect, but um, just really uh, have enjoyed getting to know Jay really well and hanging out and, learning and he knows a lot about, uh, a lot of things, um, and is happy to share and, um, uh, is a pretty cool dude. So I think those for me have been mostly a joy. Yeah.
3: Have the opportunity to date. Uh, oh
4: yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't want to make it to get sound like I don't have the opportunity to date. I just hasn't been, um, as upfront just because of I guess bandwidth and priorities well, well and small
2: town one, yeah, <laughs> totally Well, I think too, it it actually for me, it tie it sounds like it ties really into what you kind of shared as one of your first things that you had to overcome, which was who who the hell is Andy when it's not andy and anna? and and it sounds like you're doing a lot of that. You know, we could say, well, Anna's outdating. You know, Andy must go out dating, but it, you're like, well, I'm going to go to, or yeah, finding a partner, going out, whatever. But it's like, you're going, well, I want to do these other things that maybe aren't relational, but they're fulfilling and they're.
1: Well, they're relational in a different way. They totally. might not be
3: romantic.
2: Totally. Yes. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That's the thing about living where we live is we ran through the the apps very quickly mm-hmm. and his experiences early on, like he, he, I think you've actually gone on more dates than I have, but they were not great. Like there was some monogamous people. There was like, there was some, some doozies anyway, but so neither one of us, actually none of the three of us are really like dating right now.
2: Yeah, totally. There's
3: just not a big scene.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I think it was, I'm just feeling the, like the tie to figuring out who we are. And this is, again, this is, I mean, I'm just, there's so many parallels between us is like, who, who the hell are we when we're not doing everything together all the time? And that's a scary thing to unravel and figure out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I had my, the partner I was with when we first opened up, we'd been together for about a decade when we first opened up and uh, had been in our various circles, that power couple. And so um, I, because of where I was in my career, I still had a decent anchor outside of our relationship, but she had kind of fallen more into that space where just because of the nature of her career path and some of the other things had to rediscover who she was as we opened up. And she actually spent like about a year uh, talking about on her blog and like doing and and in the policy and stuff about dating herself. Mm -hmm. And she would very specifically a lot like how you're doing improv things and stuff like that. She would be like, I am going to go X, Y, Z without you for me. (laughs) <laughs> regardless of if Jay was dating someone or not, or if I already had plans, or if I was in town or on business travel or whatever it was, I'm going to take myself on a date now. Yeah. Cool. And I think it, that's, I think that's another very common thing, uh, especially when you are coming to non-monogamy from an established relationship. I think it is so, so common in the way we treat monogamy And part of that toxicity that people talk about is that you see the couple as a singular unit and there's a lot of pressure to de-individualize. And so one, uh, like that, like I say those words and it's kind of yucky anyway, but then on top of that, if you move into any kind of more autonomous space, be it non-monogamy or someone changing roles within the relationship it leaves you in that place of having to rediscover or even originally discover, right. Who you are as an individual, what, what is important to you? What are the things you like to do? What are you looking for in other people? Be they friends or more, right. Uh, or whatever. And so, I mean, I really, I respect all the work that you have been doing, Hmm thank you. Uh, and I love getting to come back. Even if I love getting to go to your shows and even if it's requires like making a trip because we're on travel or I'm orbiting some other city for a little bit, I'm always thrilled to get to come back and watch your shows. And I am super happy for you getting cast.
4: That's (laughs) awesome. Yeah. No, I think that might've been for me, one of the uh, well, most moving and meaningful things is that they were, um, out of town and at big city number, I forget what, um, <laughs> but, but I, I had a show on a Saturday night and, uh, it was one of the biggest ones I was in and, uh, they made, it the, for pride. they made the effort to come up and, um, and watch that and then left the next day. That was, a that was a really meaningful killed, thing. You also uh, killed at that well, performance. That was amazing. I am fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask me. Right? <laughs> but no, I, so I think that that would fall under kind of one of these things that you, you would never expect um, something like that to really touch your heart and be that meaningful. And I don't think that you could have that experience um, in in a regular life world. And, and so that's one thing out of this experience that has been a really incredible.
2: Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And and I don't want to skip over Jay. I know Anna's answer was a single word of kink um, <laughs> for joys. Jay, what is, what's been some of the joy for you in coming into this relationship? I mean, even after having a decade or more of non-monogamous experience.
0: So uh, one of the pieces is, is being able to to have someone to share my, my actual authentic self. Uh, like you guys talked about early on when we were talking about the autistic experience, um, I, I am used to doing a lot of masking. I've had relationships where I was expected to mask every minute I was awake um, and to have an important romantic relationship where uh, not only do I not have to mask, it is perfectly acceptable to be my autistic self, even if that means um, breaking my ankle at Disneyland um, because I'm a klutz. Uh, and it was just my turn to be the one to fall off of something. And in this time, I got to actually go to the doctor afterwards. Yay. Uh, but the the it's OK. I cannot tell you how many partners I've had that were holistic who I would have gotten shit for a year or more. Out of what happened, and in and not a single like just yep that happened. Are you okay? It's it's normal. It, 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 for all of the conversation here about normalizing non monogamy, it's the normalizing being autistic is one of the big things for me. And I would say the other thing, and which is why I even signed up in Bloomer in the first place, was community. Um, like I said, I had spent of uh, the pandemic, like we all did without access to my communities of importance and to uh, to get to have people to share things with, like to help out or be helped out, right? Um, we're actually in the middle of uh, upgrading the RV I'm living in, and we've done joint work to be able to keep the first RV so that we've got a little shared smaller resource that there's a place to put it. I'm, I'm nomadic. I wouldn't have a place to put it without this and without the partnership of like, let's do something wild and crazy who like, let everyone else jump off a cliff. We're going to do what works for us for the three of us Um, or to help out with projects around the house and stuff. Right. I, that sense of community, or let's go on a road trip Mm -hmm. and go to the kink clubs and things like that. I missed having that kind of community. Um, and so I've also deeply, deeply appreciated and celebrated all of those moments.
3: They just rebuilt our deck together. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It's
1: <laughs> amazing. Uh, thank you for that, Jay. And Just thank you all for touching on that and for just sharing. Uh, I'm also curious, you know, at one point you didn't mention kids and I'm, I'm curious in general and also religion. Um, So like I would assume one would assume that in a small town that it could be hard to be yourselves and be out there. And I'm curious how you've all navigated. Now, Jay, you mentioned you are closeted with like in in work and everything. And how have the three of you handled that in both in family and friendships and community?
3: Um, I guess I'll speak to the family part. So part of the reason we never opened up before was because we have kids. They're grown now. Um, They're now 21 and 25. And it was like, well, we can't really do anything like that until the kids are out of the house. Then the pandemic happened and we weren't sure that our youngest would ever leave our house. (laughs) 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 Um, We, we did have to like tell them pretty early on just because we were starting to run into people on apps Um, And we didn't want our kids to see us out on a date or one of their friends because, you know, I'm honestly related to half the town. Um, But I'm also the weird one. I'm the redheaded stepchild, literally, of because I'm adopted, like I just... I've never fit in with these people, but I am related to half the town by adoption. Um, we did not want our kids to hear that we were with someone else and think that we were cheating on each other. So we did have to tell them. And, you know, we just asked a therapist for advice and hey, kids, were non-monogamous. And they were like, oh, we've known them about you guys forever. And we were like, Okay, but we literally just opened up. (laughs) Um, The other thing that makes it interesting is that one of our kids is actually in a poly relationship. So we were like, what are they going to say about us? (laughs) Right? They're they're in a triad. So we were like, I think we're okay. They're not going to have a lot to say about this. But as far as the community, I'll let you speak to that. and work.
4: Yeah, I guess for me, I have... I've told maybe a handful of folks, uh, some friends and, um, one, one person that was a, that's a whole nother story. That's one of the dating lessons learned anyway. Um, but, uh, the, in general, I work for one of the larger employees in the area, and it's a generally conservative thing, uh, place. And there's not a lot of places to work around here, so it's been pretty, pretty much keep it on the DL mm-hmm. as as much as possible around yeah. here.
1: Yeah, you walking that line of you want to be authentic, want to be yourself, want to sh- like share with people, and you live in a really small conservative, conservative town and there's with jobs in conservative areas. Like that's, that's definitely a consideration. And for a lot, a lot of people out there.
0: So uh, for me right now, I think it's easier in a lot of ways. First of all, outside of Uh, this relationship, I probably wouldn't have anytime soon wound up in this particular little town. So I don't know anyone outside of people I meet through them. And there is zero connection between my personal and professional lives and this small little town. So whatever degree of safe being out in town is safe at the moment, I can be with 100% certainty because I'm not going to run into anyone. And then on top of that, I work remotely and I work for myself. And so my customers are on the other side of the country and it is exceptionally easy to partition off that space. I just don't talk about anything personal with them outside of where is the trailer parked? Because everyone wants to know, even my professional contacts, they are very amused by this idea that I wind that I call them from random places. Hmm. Um, what are you doing there? And things like that. So, but outside of that, I just fully partition my personal life. No one in my work, in my work life knows ever, whenever I have a partner of any kind. Um, so then I don't have to ever explain why I have two of them. If I have two of them at the time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right.
3: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Another piece of that though is that like when we are at home, like we kind of just keep it on the down low, but like he's b- more often based in a bigger city or I travel with him and then we're here like there's a lot of fluidity. I work remotely too. Um so if he goes on travel, I'll go with him and we're in a bigger city where no one knows us. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 And I I think one of the things I mean, even that question about like how out you are, there's a a thought that keeps coming to mind around masking and and that term coming up a lot. And I think probably should have brought this up much earlier, but would would maybe each of you talk about what masking looks like or means to you? Um, because I think it's a really important thing and you kind of touched on it there, Jay, around like, you know, you break your ankle or sprain your ankle, you know, at at an amusement park. And that even that is a big change for you, how you get treated in the aftermath of that.
1: And listeners may not be familiar with the term masking. Yeah.
0: I think one way to look at masking is having to adapt how you are presenting yourself for the comfort and benefit of those around you, regardless of the personal cost. For me as an autistic, that includes having to refrain from doing natural things and having to, in real time, translate in and out communication from allistic to neurodivergent. And then before I speak from neurodivergent to allistic and to Pay way more attention to what's going on around me so that I can figure out in this context, what is the, what is the expected behavior and give that regardless of how it relates to my internal state.
2: I guess if you could call that a definition, fine.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ooh, that so no,
2: that's perfect.
0: In, yeah. in, in quintessential autistic fashion, here is a clock. I built it for you in front of you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, that was perfect. And, and I think the a metaphor that comes to mind and one that rings true, I will say, for us is you go to a foreign country and maybe you speak that language roughly. But yeah. everything that comes in, you're translating it. And then everything that goes out, you're translating it. And by the end of the day, you know, this was a thing we talked about a lot when we traveled, like, you know, we'd have learned Spanish a whole lot better if we spoke Spanish together every night and every day and we'd never switched back to English. But like, damn it, it's exhausting. Like you go yeah. through seven or eight hours a day of trying to translate and you get to the end and you're like, don't just don't talk to me. Yeah, it'd be good if you just <laughs> didn't. Like, I don't want to.
3: That's I, th- I would say that's the best analogy um, is that it takes so much more energy to try to think about what you're doing, what you're not doing, and trying to interact with other people. Like you look at that sign and you have to mentally calculate it in Spanish to English, right And it does take it does take that level of energy. And like one of the arguments between us at the beginning was, Andy would say, "Well, you're going on a J-cation. and it's like, "Well, okay, but it kind <laughs> of is a vacation from my brain."
0: Yeah, I, i've I've heard th- I've heard oh. that term before. <laughs> you're going <you're> on vacations.
3: <laughs> uh, like it was, it was really hard for me to go from being at home and masking to being with Jay, where we don't mask. Like from the beginning, we were like, "We're not doing this right." So like it, we just don't mask around each other. And when, when we are together and out in public or traveling, we just don't, we don't mask. We don't. And I'm sure people are like, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) Because we're a little weird, but we just like, when we're together, we don't even care. We don't even think about it. And that was, that's kind of funny. Like when the three of us travel together, there is some uh, level of masking, but not, not as much. Like we're, I am becoming more comfortable with not masking around Andy. But when you've been with someone for 25 years, how do you start to unmask? Like I would do things and he would be like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? And it's not that he was upset about it or shaming me or whatever, but there is some level of like, why are you doing that now?
1: Yeah. Like um, what does this change? Like you didn't, I didn't know this about you before.
3: Yeah. And that was, and it's also like what you get into the habit of doing things. So it's like, wait, do I really want to do this or am I masking right now? Oh, I'm masking right now. Okay. I'm going to try to stop doing that. And so it's like in small increments and baby steps into learning how to unmask around the person that you've been with for three decades.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And then being, being the person watching this, you know, cloak come off also, I mean, I'm watching this real time right now in my relationship with Emma and I'm guessing there's some ways she's watching the same thing happen for me. Um, and so there's, that's scary as well.
4: Yeah. 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 And I think that, that does tails a little bit for me into some of the, um, my own little ADHD fun. One of my um, special tricks is rejection sensitivity. And so, um, I, have I've kind of learned um i don't know if it fits under the masking category but really trying to retrain the thought processes and the reactions away from your like you said Emma you've changed what is that and for me uh, a lot of times is you've changed you know and then for it's like why did you change why are you changing am i doing something wrong is there you're happier with someone else right and that's why this in just those kind of um those spirals of uh of, of unhappiness <laughs> mm-hmm. um and, and really um that's that's sort of uh those traps that the old mind can can get you in um so that's for me that's kind of what has has been the reaction to some of the um the unmasking i guess
3: but you mask too even people sure. with adhd sure. do some level of masking
4: oh absolutely
3: so he's even been on his own journey of unmasking yeah yeah for sure
1: yeah Thank you for speaking to that all. Um, I know that we could talk for probably four more hours, at least. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and I hope we get to. Yeah. I, I, not, not necessarily today, but I think this conversation, to me, wasn't linear in any fashion. And it didn't really even tell a <laughs> story. No, 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 it didn't. And it didn't really even tell, quote unquote, a story. But it's been just so like amazing hearing how the three of you do this. And and I cut you off completely.
1: I don't think it's necessarily a linear story, but it's touching on so many pieces of your lives is a story. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, kind of a fun question. I'm curious, is there a fun, uh, blooper of sorts that things that where you can share that did not go as planned, uh, to show that relationships don't always go like we want them to. I mean,
2: besides we, the whole thing, besides the
3: blooper,
0: <laughs> the, the meeting Jay thing, I yeah. think is the ultimate, uh, expression of the difference between theory and practice. And that poly is always poly non-monogamy, however you want to put it, is always going to bring you something unexpected. And that the more you go into it with a very specific plan, this is how we are going to do this, the minute. less likely <laughs> it is that your experience will match expectations.
3: Mm-hmm. Very true.
0: Andy. <laughs>
3: I'm autistic. I always have a plan. I had a very clear idea of how this was going to go and this was not it.
2: <laughs> well, and I think that's a great point. And I'm curious, right to your point, Jay, you you could have a plan, and chances are that plan is going to go through the shredder five times. But for each of you, do you do you wish you hadn't had the plan?
3: No, I think plan for me plans are what keep me feeling safe. So I mm-hmm. I needed it. It just didn't go as planned.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you
3: wish you'd had a different plan, or
4: um? <laughs> what the fuck do plans have to do with what happens? <laughs> I mean, wh- wh- one of my favorite kind of things, I don't know. It's probably from one of the Eastern kind of religions is, um, mm-hmm. suffering comes from not accepting reality. Mm-hmm. And so for me, plans, at least in something that you can't control, um, are, are not necessarily something that worked for me and didn't, didn't really like work. I don't, know that I need quite that security, but they're nice to have. I mean, I think there's a lot to, uh, you know, have a plan until you have another plan, but, (laughs) um, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of the, just kind of go with it and try to be your best self, um, kind of a thing.
3: And keep trusting each other. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And assuming the best. I think you guys have said this on the po- on other podcasts. You have to just keep assuming the best out of your partner. Z-
2: <laughs> yes. And there's a secret that we also say that to each other about 7 times a day. So.
3: <laughs> yes, yes. Assume good
1: intent. That's the default, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Which is not always easy. Yeah. Sometimes. Another one of
2: those easier said than done. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Cuz all of the all of the shit gets in the way. So, yeah. Before we let you go today, is there anything else any of you would like to get out there?
3: Um, actually... I would say the biggest thing about this, my takeaway is that you need to have a shared goal or vision, um, and have metrics. Like Andy and I went back, we had a shared Google doc at the beginning of this is why we're doing this. You have to have a why everybody says you have to have a why. So we actually did that or, you know, before we opened up, we said, this is, this is what we want out of this, this is what we're looking for. And, uh, we hadn't ever really gone back until we scheduled this podcast and we went back and looked at it and we were like, Oh. We actually did everything that we set out to do a year ago. It just didn't look like we expected it to. I love that. So that, that was kind of a big deal and made us feel much better about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: Jay or Andy, any, any final thoughts? And then actually I have a, I have another question that I was going to throw at you, but nobody needs to know.
4: (laughs) Um. I don't, I don't, no, no, no words of wisdom. You've had,
2: you've had plenty. It's all right. You're off the hook.
4: (laughs) No (laughs) Oh, tips. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, um, not being afraid of accepting that your own self image might be completely wrong and leaning into that will be a, big deal. Mm-hmm.
2: That's a huge statement. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: I think the, the, one of the things that I hear at a lot of poly meetups and discussion groups is the question often gets asked. Um, is there something you would tell your pa- your, your baby poly self based on where you're at now? And one of the answers that I like to give to that that holds true every time I say it is um, be prepared for the fact that poly shines a light on everything. There are corners of your life that you will have forgotten are hard or are interesting or challenging or simply that even exist. And the nature of adding more people and and facing some of the challenges that just are inherent to that in a society that doesn't support it. And I think it's really more about that than the inherent challenges. Human humans are not necessarily monogamous by nature. So this is really about the culture that when you face those things, it's like turning on a uh, turning on the bright work lights instead of the pretty stage lights. And you're going to see a lot of stuff that you had forgotten or that you didn't know was there. And that it's, just part of the process and to be forgiving of of all of that new, what seems new to you and had been there all along Mm -hmm. Um, because it's just a part of the process
2: yeah totally yeah i appreciate that as well
1: yeah thank you
2: so my last question because you know we've we often talk to people who have work to plug and and none of you are plugging your work so we're going to plug our own work because (laughs) You all met us at Southwest Love Fest and you're part of our community, our virtual community that we are always trying to expand. And we wanted people to know that these are the types of amazing people who you could hang out with on the daily in our community. But I was just would love any of you to share maybe just a little bit of your experience in the community, what it's brought to your life over the last year that you've sort of been part of it and navigating this. And I know you've talked a lot about how important community has been um, in general.
4: I think for me, um, I mean, the podcast and just hearing other people's stories have been helpful. And I mentioned that saying that you kind of said that that's one of the ones that I kind of repeat. And that's been a big one for me in the calls and some of the, even the fun, the fun nights, the, I forget what you call them, the, the
1: they're mean all
2: they're, they're all funny. They're yeah. all
4: fun, of
1: course. Meet meet and greet.
4: Everything is fun, obviously, uh, um, but the meet and greets are kind of always a nice uh, a nice kind of break, especially in kind of a small town. So i I've, I've been appreciative of those events personally.
3: Um, I would say the whole experience of Southwest love fest, like going into it and knowing that there was going to be other people there that we knew, um, when we've gone to bigger cities, we've kind of, there's been a couple of times we've met up with other people. There was a a couple that came through our town actually, when he did his pride, uh, improv event and they came, they came to the event and then we all went out for dinner and it was amazing because, you know we didn't really know them. We hadn't really talked online, but it's like you have these people and you can be out for a couple of hours about who you actually are. Right. And it was, that was amazing. Yeah. I would say that for me, that's been that. And also going into the, to the app and being able to see what other people are dealing with and get advice or give advice and get feedback from other people.
0: Yeah. I want to just double down on the in-person pieces, having folks that are, loosely connected so that you can interact in person when either you're at a larger event or when paths cross um especially as someone that travels i think that's a really valuable thing
2: Mm -hmm. yeah i love that yeah to show up in a town even if you just know one person that's that's a big difference i mean one is one is greater than zero right and so that's a huge shift Mm -hmm. um yeah i love that yeah all right. I'm out of questions. Well, not really, but I, I will I will stifle myself for now.
1: <laughs> thank you all for your time today, for sharing everything you did. It was wonderful to chat and we can't wait till the next time. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you for you. having us. And we're back. Thank you. Thank you, Anna, Andy, and Jay so much for this wonderful conversation and for all of your vulnerability and sharing.
2: Yeah, totally Can't get enough of this. And we hope to see you at Southwest Love Fest again.
1: Yes, we hope so.
2: So more information to come on that. Everybody's like, what's that? We'll tell you more about that later or go to the podcast player show notes.
1: Yeah, it'll be in April 2024.
2: And we're going to be there partying it up. Yes. All right. In the desert. (laughs) Sorry.
1: (laughs) A couple of quick reminders. (laughs) Our virtual meet and greet for October will be this Friday, October 20th. You can sign up on our website. Under the events tab. And if you happen to miss the October event, don't worry. We will have a November virtual meet and greet as well.
2: And if you happen to be living in the Bay Area and you want to come out and party in person, I will be co-hosting the Non-Monogamy Speed Dating with Marie Tween in Oakland again tomorrow. That is October 19th. You can find out more information uh, in the podcast show notes under or on the Bloom community app. Search for it. Find us. Sign up. We would love to see you. It'll be a great time.
1: Yes. And with that, next week, we have an interview with Rachel, who actually was one of our very, very first guests with her partner at that time on episode eight. Eight. So she had a
2: different name back then. Yes.
1: Yeah, she went by a pseudonym back then, which we'll talk about all next week in the interview. But if you want to go listen to episode eight, feel free. Otherwise, it won't matter. You'll still be good plenty caught up for the interview next week we'll see you then when we talk with rachel
2: yeah i'm super excited about that conversation it is B E A beautiful beautiful yeah (laughs) little jim carrey action yeah all right i think that's all we will let you go we hope to see everybody at our event this weekend on friday and i hope to see all of you in the east bay tomorrow and we'll hope to see you in the community every day any other hopes and wishes
1: have a wonderful weekend
2: all right bye everybody
1: you stole my line I know
2: I stole I tried to steal it in the <laughs> intro
1: bye everyone thanks for listening.